Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Nissan believes you deserve a car that thrills you. So we have to ask, does your car thrill you? When you hit the pedal, do you get something back? A chill in your spine, goosebumps on your goosebumps. When you take off, do your fingers tighten around the steering wheel? Does your heart beat in your stomach and your breath catch in your chest? Does driving make you feel alive? Because it should. And if your car doesn't thrill you, ours will. This is the new Nissan. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. To me, do you know what Jay White is? He's a better version of Baron Corbin. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Grapple Spotlight. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And we're here on a sunny kind of Sunday to uh, just do a, a quick check-in on the uh, the G1. We obviously had a show uh, earlier this week on Tuesday where we pretty much got up to date, but there were a couple of straggler days in the middle of the week, and there's been the two finals this weekend, so as we kind of said at the end of our last show, we thought we might do a couple of bonus recordings, so we thought they'd throw this in your feed so you can uh, catch up with us on, on everything uh, before the final, but uh, Joe, JP, how are you doing this weekend? I slept really badly last night, so I'm really, really tired. Stayed up for takeover. Mm. Uh, that was after me and JP went to uh, uh, our local indie yesterday. Uh, and <laughs> you know what? You know that whole support your local indie stuff going around? Fuck that. <laughs> oh, Chris Brooks is going to be so mad at you, Joe. JP, what would you say? Uh, do you know what? And I'm normally like the, the kind of one who tries to be nice all the time. No, I ain't going back. If this is our local indie, it was their first show, I would not go back a second time. It wow. was the worst show I have ever been to, ever. What was the company? I'm thinking of a, it's a new company called United Wrestling, <laughs> and they they had a show in a venue, which me and JP spoke about before, could be all right for wrestling. Mm. It kind of wasn't. It was a bit shit. It's too small. It's too small, mm. but it's like, if you're going to run there, you need to just, everyone needs to be stood. You shouldn't be sat in there because there's just not enough room. Hmm. And it was just, it was all over the place. It was just a bit, they didn't know what they were, did they? Yeah. It feels, do you know what? It, it, in some ways it like feels horrible to kind of kick a first time independent Ag- show. Agreed, agreed. I feel like that part of it, I don't feel any joy about. But some of the fundamental mistakes, okay, I'll tell you what, Benno, first <laughs> show they've ever done, really big, brand new title belt. Yeah. That was like the first, which was in the ring. Oh, yeah. was, the, was the person you who runs the company a belt mark or something? Because that, that's... Oh, it seemed that way. Both of them. Mate, <laughs> imagine if David Brent was promoting wrestling. Mm. So, you know that episode of The Office where he gets paid like a stupid amount of money and he puts simply the best on and he stands up on a stage mm. and starts like pointing at people being simply the best or the rest <laughs> of it. Imagine that promoting a wrestling show. There were these two guys promoting it. 
and one of them was like playing the straight man and one of them was just like he was my idea he was like my idea of a nightmare person hmm. i've worked with people like him and i have to like escape them and get away from them <laughs> if i work with them because they are just fundamentally annoying people and the guy came out and made the show about himself <laughs> and he was like doing this really bad announcing he well, was him like, and the other bloke wasn't it there was yeah the bet yeah they had, they had a bet to see who would win the show and they had picked halves of the roster each no one was invested in this story or this bet other than the two of them mm. and it was just so dumb and the way this guy was trying to put attention on himself constantly like he was wearing no shoes and he was wearing really bright colored socks <laughs> and it was like all right and when they brought up the fact he didn't have any shoes on and when he started talking about how some indie companies have people's names on the mat, mm. and he was like, well, I want, I'm going to get all your names on my new shoes. And he brought these new custom-made Converse out from under the ring, white Converse, and passed around a marker pen and got the entire crowd to sign his Converse and then was wearing them around the venue, taking pictures of them. Like, it was just a bit tragic it, it felt very self-congratulatory didn't it? it was like i'm putting on a wrestling show yep. look at me for putting on a wrestling show and like some of the banter that they attempted oh. it was like they'd watched progress and gone well that's easy like the the owner in the ring like professional comedian must be easy that and they were trying to be like funny and play off one another and it was just to, to crickets it was just <laughs> tragic yeah oh it was it was Oh, and there was another bit where the guy was, one of the guys went missing and the guy asked, Where, where's he gone? And he was upstairs in the sound booth and the guy was like, what are you doing up here? And he was like, I'm talking to the sound girl. She's really pretty. And it was like, that's awkward. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, Mate, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't even want to look at the ring. I was looking at the floor just because I didn't want to make eye contact. Oh my God. Because there was like 40 people there. And I was like, I feel bad. And to say this, this isn't like, oh, it's a family show. You're just not liking family shows. We've been to a good few family shows at this point. I don't know if it was a family show, though. I didn't know I what it was. That's the thing. So you had the main event mm. was Chuck Mambo, Spike Trevane. Oh, there you go. Brilliant. Your two of your favourite wrestlers. Do you know JP? what? In terms of a family match, because I haven't seen Treve do family do a, like a kind of family match because there's a lot of like, quite young kids in the audience, mm. that was that was kind of quite nice and fine and fun for like what it was obviously it's worked at a kind of limited pace then there was a there was really good match earlier on between connor mills and is it tad mayfair uh, uh yeah was that his name he I was good he was good i liked him. and it, it was, was a good match it was, it was a really, really good match. solid like the work was good in the match as yeah. well yeah and connor mills looked like so fundamentally solid because a lot of it again was like on the mat and working holds and he was and that he was he was really good at it and it shows you sort of a long way that he's come those outside of that in some ways i don't want to bring up ever again <laughs> apart from aaron banks who looked like oh, he had banks little, he looked well banks, right. he looked all right yeah, aaron, i don't think i've seen him before is he is he someone who you'd seen for the first time or he's, he well, looks like shane yeah. strickland yeah. Oh, right. He doesn't wrestle like Shane Strickland. He's got a very similar look, like with the same sort of hair. It's a bandana as yeah, well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, He holds himself in a sort of similar way as well, but he's good. I, mm. I thought he was really sound he as a wrestler. He works, I think, like promotions like good and and whatnot, and sort of like very sort of small independent promotions around the sort of home county, South Midlands. I could see him doing those kind of shows. But he looked like he had something about him. There was, on the other hand, there was a Peaky Blinders stable oh, that was awful. there. It was, in some way, like, I'm, 
We're going to talk about some great wrestling today. Hmm. Like, in some ways, I've what I've seen, I cannot unsee. <laughs> and, and there's certain people who's like, I never want to see them on the a, worst yeah. match I've ever seen, and I think the worst wrestler I've ever seen in my life. And if I see worse, it's going to take some doing. Do you know that wrestling memes guy mm. who used to be on WrestleTalk TV? Do you know yeah, he's now met, a wrestler? Yeah, I've met him a couple of times. He seemed all right. I always liked him when he was on. Was, it, was he on WrestleTalk? That's it. Oh, I'm like, sure yeah. he's an all right guy, but is my God. Mate, do you know what his name is? <laughs> God. Memo. <laughs> Find a Memo. Amazing. And it was him and a magician <laughs> versus, the Bone, versus then, the Bone Brothers. It who, wasn't. Imagine a imagine a God tribute act. Oh. Yeah, like that's who that's exactly what who they look like. like. One of them, like with chest protectors, yeah. that came out. One of them with short hair. And I was like, yes, yeah, so he's Tangaloa. The other guy, long hair. The brothers as well. So and, it was like, oh my. But then Mimo yeah. and the magician fell out, and it was like, what? Like we're not invested in this relationship. Like mm. why are you doing like heel and face turns and stuff on your first show? <laughs> And then the two guys promoting the show. One of the guys didn't make it so much about himself, but the David Brent guy very much made it all about himself and the fact he just put on a wrestling show. Mm. It was just so unbelievably awkward, wasn't it? Oh. Like it, it, it was like they just needed such, put on some matches. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know what other. I've never run a wrestling show myself. I imagine if I did for the first time. You just put on some matches, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'd, no, I'd have How you in the ring, JP. I'd have I'd have you cutting promos in the ring with your no, uh, with your geezer hat wouldn't on. Oh. I wouldn't be doing like just wouldn't be doing that to be, be just silent or abuse. You need to be his first show unless you're Jim Smallman yeah. and you're the identity of promotion, or like Trent Seven doing Fight Club Pro yeah. stuff with his charisma. You almost need to just play it straight. Mm. Yeah. This didn't. This established like heel and face dynamic between owners on night one and it was like it was almost like the guys were getting off a bit on being like featured as like wrestling personalities and it just felt like it was about them mm. and like a brand new shiny belt and the new trainers that this guy had bought especially for the occasion <laughs> oh and then they brought out some t-shirts and were like merchandise merchandise do you want your merchandise and we're just walking around the venue with a box of t-shirts that look crap getting no response mm. and i've never put on a wrestling show i never want to put on a wrestling show i don't think unless i win the lottery one day uh, and then i'll become a money mark for a show or two um so jp can fulfill his dreams basically more or less but this was like i don't know i just felt so awkward the entire yeah. night watching mm. this guy go about his work yeah oh and like fist pumping and fist pumping with mics and also playing like new metal during interludes of no sense of irony. It wasn't like progress playing like break stuff by Limp Bizkit with like an ironic twist. <laughs> this was just like, yeah, CKY and Papa Roach, fist pump. Like, no, it was bad. <laughs> oh, got it. Like, I, I, it, it oh. makes you, maybe we should all be appreciative of, uh, of Jim Smallman and how, uh, how good he is oh, in his role compared to that. I am now. I think we said that last night, <laughs> we didn't we? We changed it <laughs> Yeah, amazing. I'll take it all back. Goodbye, Jim. I'm sad now. Uh, <laughs> it was it was just the things that you don't want to see somebody doing yeah. on a show were being done in front of you, and you're kind of aware that the margins are small anyway. You're aware that there's that you know the amount of time and investment that it takes to do it and to organise, and you're just thinking you didn't all of this stuff. You could have you just could have put on some fun matches yeah. and just sort of left it at that and. 
it would have been fine. Like we we went to Welsh wrestling not that long before, and it's quite. A, I know it sounds really strange. It's quite a well-oiled machine for what they do in terms of their easy sort of merchandise that's there. The way they set up the shows, the amount of wrestlers they use. They only use six. They didn't need to use much more. But than they're eight doing on that this. show over and over mm. every week. All year round, yeah. aren't they? So yeah. that, you know, it's a it is a well oiled machine. They just they can just you know. But yeah, having seen those country, it's just a seeing having seen those shows do well, and also Future Shock, you know, mm. which was effectively a family show, you know. Was it Future Shock a family show? Yeah, it was it a beer venue, wasn't it? So they are generally yeah. a family promotion. Uh, but I get what you they're mean. They're a yeah. dog friendly promotion. They're very much <laughs> unlike you, Joe. Well, I was thinking to myself the last show. I don't know. I didn't say it. I hope Tony Khan never goes scouting at a Future Shock show because <laughs> them dogs will be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. We got all the feedback about that, Joe. People aren't happy with you, Dark Kate. Although they get a couple of people who were who were supportive of your cause. Um, we also got Her- Heron well, Foods least- and B and uh, bargains in our mentions on Twitter, didn't we, JP? All these, all these, yeah. all these Twitter brands, Home and Bargains, sending us heroin, passive aggressive. Oh. Apparently, heroin foods is all over the country. JP, it's not I just Liverpool. Like <laughs> Apparently, it's everywhere. Never heard of it before. It's, I mean, and it, it kind of goes to show. I'm from London. The only other major city I've ever lived in is Oxford. It's oh. you know, let's face it. Yeah, heroin foods might struggle <laughs> to break into the Oxford marketplace. Oh. Don't want to dig down on it. Um, Saw some, you know, people seem quite upbeat about some of the bargain. You were talking about caramel minis for a quid or something. That seemed to be, oh yeah, I think something I, that you were all right about. It is, as as Jeff Ogden said, it is basically frozen fruits B and M bargains, um, and actually B and M are the owner uh, of that company. And that's why yeah. they, they tweeted us like a photo, didn't they, of Triple H signing a, a B and M bargains logo. Got to love a bit of a brand banter. Um, first it was Toby Carvery, now it's B&M. I'm just hoping I can, yeah, I can get some uh, some free hot sauces or some free, you know, nice yeah. little household things from B&M. Maybe we could uh, get a sponsorship, JP, work, work alongside. There is, big, big fan of the shop. You've I'm seen a B&M bargains a B&M guy. near me. Oh yeah, right down the road. Are you a B&M bargains guy or a home bargains guy? Uh, in Liverpool, we still call it home and bargain for reasons. I'm not sure why, <laughs> why but I'm definitely there's two right next door to each other like right by my house. I'm surprised we didn't we didn't go when you were here last week, but I don't know how they both survive. It's a big B and M bargains next to a home bargains, but I do tend to go into B and M when I'm uh, when I'm forced to choose. Don't know about you guys. B and M because it's here, and I haven't seen a home bargains around here. Is there mm. a home bargains anywhere near here? Um, B and M would be my uh, bargain shop of choice, that's for sure, because yeah. it's the one that's closest to me. Yeah, it's wild. There yeah. you go. Get some good crisps in there. Pound for good Maui packs. Man, I bought a set of. <laughs> Kitchen knives there for like a five or once. Nice, yeah. not great, but oh, they did you, the you job. Go, you go in to buy some. Saying. You go in to buy some baked beans, and you come out with an entire kitchen shed and a new rug. Yeah. that's the that's the yeah. nature of those shops. JP's bumped into uh, my girlfriend at B and M Bargains before, haven't you? Yeah, she loves it around there. Her and her mate <sighs> walking around, and it's like yeah, there's two pound lands as well. I don't. Know, this is Oxford. <laughs> two pound lands, one across the road from each other. I think successive. I don't know if you need to. I completely agree with that. I don't know why there are two in the same sort of how many meters apart, do you reckon? I don't know. I'm in discop I'm in discount shop heaven. Mm. Like honestly, like I've got my own county road here, mate. (laughs) And you're getting getting your little soon. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, the the boy the boys were excited because they're realising they Could don't be, have to go as far off the big shop. Well, mm. yeah, mm. yeah, that's all right. And if I fancy splashing the cash, there's a Sainsbury's just in the same sort of little complex as well. We've had like a what's a Tesco Jacks? It is. They they close by me. They closed down the the most posh shop in the area, Tesco, and reopened it as a Jacks, which is like Tesco's own budget brand where they're trying to be oldy and little but failing. I've it's never heard of it. I haven't until it opened. Yeah, I found out. I thought it was weird. Like Tesco closed and like a week later. Jack's opens, but yeah, apparently it's the the same. It is like a Tesco brand where they just sell, they try and undercut Aldi and Little. Um, yeah, not the best though. No, Little's still classic. So there used to be a quick save around that area as well. I'm ben, pretty sure the, the same shop at some point was a quick save. It was a I summer was field. It was a Tesco. It's been everything, I think. Uh, no one will and that look about it, didn't it? <laughs> Definitely. That Absolutely. sounds incredibly snobby. But yes, yeah, support your local Jack, support your local home and bargain, support your local B&M, but maybe don't support your local wrestling promotion. Is that what we've learned in these first 15 minutes? <laughs> Check out your local wrestling promotion. If they're, if they're half decent, support them. If they're not, and if the promoter tries to make it all about himself and runs around with his new belt and shoes, mm. just fuck them off, basically. Because <laughs> I won't be going back. CK Cooper was in the crowd. How did he not get booked? That was it. Sat there for the night. Oh, if he was there, you'd just be like, lad, just, yeah, do you want to just do a match? Even in street gear, just come out, just do a match. He did look entertained. Oh. That way. Apart from when, like, the, his mates who were on there were wrestling, I think then he was having, he would, he'd have a watch. But <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. When, the, when those two boys were in the ring cutting promos, I think he was staring down as I stared down at my shoes. I don't know why you thought of Mimo. I hope you thought more than I did. <laughs> Mimo versus TK Cooper, the dream match, book it. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> moving on from that, uh, as we say, we're, we're here to talk uh, to talk G1 uh, and catch everyone up uh, before the final. Mm. Uh, we'll probably do, we'll do this, I think, uh, we'll go A block first and then we'll go B block. As we said, there was a bit of a straggler couple of days in the middle of the week uh, that kind of got lost in the conversation now with the uh, the big finals happening today. But yeah, if we take on, take on A block first, uh, let's look at it. Day 15, uh, happened in the middle of the week and there were a couple of good matches on it um, before we get to the final of A Block uh, kind of what were you guys uh, highlights of uh, the midweek action from A Block and uh, and what stood out I thought Osprey Kenta was very good yeah, mm. yeah. really really I did did enjoy that I loved it um, I loved the backstory think- for that one as well it was kind of like yeah. The mention in the the wrestling channel in the backstory always gets me. I don't know if you both heard them, them say that, but apparently apparently Osprey started watching wrestling from watching Kenta on the wrestling channel. I mean, now, he didn't say that. Meltzer said that. Ah. He said the first Japanese wrestling show that he watched was ah. on the wrestling channel. Whereas Meltzer somehow got it as the first show he ever watched. It's like, nah, you, you're adding that to it. That's not what was said. No. So, yeah, the Osprey narrative was the correct narrative. Oh, I don't feel so old anymore. Because I can remember like 12 years ago, me and Joe, me and you, Joe, watching the wrestling channel with uh, Chris from Malta in my front living room uh, when it was a fresh thing. Be more than that now, wouldn't it? Like 15 years ago, something like that. 14 years ago. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was 2005, it was 2004, 2005. Yeah, around then, yeah. It made Osprey a Japanese wrestler. I think it made a lot of Ring of Honor fans, didn't it? It made a lot of Japanese wrestling fans, so it kind of makes sense, but... Yeah, a I lot can't... of TNA fans. First well. indie wrestling I ever saw was on the wrestling channel. First mm. indie match I saw was AJ Styles against Johnny Storm from FWA on the wrestling channel. Oh, God, and yeah, I, I was like, that. this is wild. Like, this is completely different to anything I've ever seen. I was, like, gripped by it. Mm. And then I was, like, looking up AJ Styles, and I was, like, really intrigued by watching TNA at this Ring of Honor as mm. a result of seeing that match, basically. So oh. it did kind of 
even though I didn't have Sky, I was around my auntie's house. It hooked me into watching wrestling. So mm. me and Osprey both. There you go. It made a lot of fans. I think the wrestling channel. I think I, yeah. I was already into Ring of Honor, but it was kind of cool to have that place where you could watch their product like easily. Uh, but yeah, they had all kinds on there, didn't they? The like CZW, that CZW music video with Alex Shane. They always I... play every hour. Sheamus got over on there as well. Irish Whip JP. Uh, Irish you were, I'm Whip, guessing you were bag, a fan of that. Bagpipe for a pool. <laughs> uh, that would, yeah, that being on there. I remember speaking to Alan Farrell about this as well, and he was saying that's how he got into Japanese West wrestling, was watching Noah on the wrestling channel. I think that really would have been, I mean, certainly the first one on TV, I'd sort of bought tapes before then of Japanese wrestling. But I remember that at that point in time, like Noah, Noah just looked like majestic when they were showing like Tokyo Dome shows mm. on the wrestling channel. You're like, yeah, this is kind of great. Mm. Yeah, Osprey would agree with you on that one. Though. He, he well, clearly did, didn't he? <laughs> That's it. I, mean, I could have been Osprey. <laughs> if you chose a different path, JP, it could have happened. Well, yeah. If you remove the athletic ability and stuff like that, yeah, we're basically the same. And the kids. <laughs> and the kids and the age. <laughs> Uh, only a couple probably, of barriers. Probably the political views. We'll leave that for another. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, the match was great. <laughs> yes. Uh, for his part, Osprey, I think because of that, because he obviously idolised Kent, I think they made that a good part of the story. Like he was. And also, like just in, in general, he was killing himself, getting thrown at guardrails by Kenta and just. Yeah doing anything he could to kind of make the match kind of, I think, what he's probably always dreamed of. I would say his execution was that much better than Kenta. I did think there was a couple of, like, more modern sequences that Osprey tried to do, like strike sequences where he was just a step ahead of the ghost of uh, Hideo Itami. But, you know, apart from a couple of minor moments where, you know, Kenta wasn't there with Osprey for the sequences, I did like it. It felt like more of a struggle and a fight because of that. And really, at the end of the day, at least the best man won. I've seen sort of there has been some elements of criticism that feels a bit over the top for those kind of few bit for those few oh, like the little of, botches the little botches I, I thought that was fatigue that was like G one well, schedule getting to them finally yeah like, little bit of fatigue going into the final day of, days of Budokan that's, that's where the commentators are really coming to their own because when it comes to kind of covering for stuff like that they've easily got a kind of get out of look at how many matches these guys have wrestled over the last month think about how exhausted they are. This is like, you know, a bat, yeah, like say, a, a sort of, it's battling fatigue as much as anything else. So I, I didn't mind it. Um, I mean, he just, Osprey, like you say, killing himself, Benno, for it. Mm. But it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, really good fun. I think Kenta, what you can say about him during the tournament is he's been good and he's been better mm. than I expected him to be. He's not set the world alight, but he's had a very serviceable job. But he's almost as good as the opponent you give him, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. People were doing. Bloody- People doing somersaults after they had that Okada match. Like, oh, he's back. Oh, I love that. I love that match. I loved it too, but we said at the time, didn't we, this was great, but if he goes back to being regular-ass Kenta after this, I wouldn't be surprised. It's kind of, we got those glimpses of genius, even in this Osprey match as well, but you're right, I think it's more, it's the opponent more than anything, isn't it? And you can get, you can get any different Kenta on any given day. Yeah. If he was a football player, he'd be in my squad as a backup. I'd bring him on 20 minutes up front, or I'd play him in the League Cup, basically. <laughs> or the Europa League, if he was in that. Be perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the group stage of Europa He's like a Man City like squad said, player, isn't he? He's Michael he Owen at Man United. Mm. Although that Man City squad looks frankly fucking terrifying. We'll yeah. save that for the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but yeah, that was a great match. I really enjoyed uh, Kota Ibushi and Zach Sabre Jr. as well. Uh, yeah. oh, sorry, before we do, actually, what did you give Kenta Osprey on Grapple style of interest? I Ooh, give, four. I give, yeah, I give it four as well. How about you, JP? 
I think I went four on that as well. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I gave four as well to Kota and Zack Saber, um, but probably joint for my favourite matches on this night. Uh, I just didn't. I think I enjoyed the fact that it was like Zack Saber kind of dominated the match like as far as you know controlling mm-hmm. uh with grabbing the submissions and stuff but it was kenta who kind of had the sorry sorry do you kenta, mean a book it was kota who kind of had the got the last laugh and kind of i, th- I kind of thought it was one of those matches where it was lots of zack saber kind of goading kota abushi and then they let kind of kota just take him apart uh towards the end of the match as well although it was one of the better zack saber character matches i think the, that i've seen and yeah went four stars on it and I, I really enjoyed it yeah i went i think i went three and three quarters on this one i thought it was a very very good match it's another interesting one abushi didn't know flying again mm. he's really i know the ankles playing him up but he's really cut back on his flying and i wonder if it's a sort of a an approach to get more out of his body long term as well possibly at this point he's not done anything you think about some of the risks he's taken the last year especially in those Naito matches and he's not done anything completely stupid during Mm. his matches and I thought this this showed how good he is as a technical wrestler and as a sort of strike based wrestler when he needs to be like that he's a well-rounded guy Ibushi like he's not just some guy who can just do a bit of flying Mm. like he's a for me, he's a close to complete wrestler in so many ways. And this was just another demonstration of this. I thought Zack and Ibushi had better matches previously, if I'm honest. Hmm. But they've had a lot of matches at this point. And really, I don't hmm. think this was... This wasn't the spot for them to go out and have a cracking four-and-a-half-star match. It was the spot to have a good match, means to an end, get to the next point sort of match help Ibushi get over uh, on his way to the final. Yeah, it, it was about livening up the crowd for the main rather than kind of burning them out for yeah, the main. And the potential absolutely. would be for them to do that as well. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it was, you know, I thought this match was kind of tailor-made for Zach. I went four stars on it. I, would, You know, it was one of these, this is really good, go and watch it. But there has been better by them before and there will be better in the future. But the story, but again, you know, the storytelling arc of Zach in this tournament has been an absolute joy to watch in ring and out of the ring as well with his promos. There's been, you know, it's really, yeah. We're going to go into the sort of overall thoughts of it tomorrow, but it's been... Did you see his promo after this match? After the Abushi one. Is that the one where he's lying on the floor and the thing collapses on him? He does a slapstick comedy routine. Yeah. And it's great. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. His promos, you say we might talk about tomorrow, but they've been a different level. I went on Friday night, I think after I watched this match, I just went and I watched every Zack Sabre Jr. promo from this G1. Wow. And they're just, they were pure entertainment, but Mm. they're different to one another. Like he does slapstick at times. He does like, kind of intricately laced reference-based comedy at times. He does sort of straight-up comedy at points as well. Like, Mm -hmm. you can tell that he loves getting a chance to cut these post-match promos, and he just makes the most of them every single Mm -hmm. time. And Mm. I believe it's him as well. It's him turned up to 11. You said on the the last show, Benno, about Mm. him being able to play himself and sticking to his guns and doing that. This is kind of the rewards of it. You see this where, like, you know, Sod the overall record of it. Think of the kind of impact he's had on this tournament. Mm. How much more he's, how much more he's gotten over, you know, sort of even that more development, and then again sticking to that style that keeps him utterly unique 
Mm. in a world of wrestlers where there are lots of them who, who effectively feel the same. Mm. Yep, that's it. He stands out as different and he stands out as, I know, I think it was James who was kind of saying, oh, I worry a little bit about him becoming a face because of this, but some of his promos, I almost feel like it's just like a nod and a wink to the likes of us watching at home. Like, I don't know what yeah. the Japanese audience make of his, you know, his anti-Boris <laughs> stuff and his pro-Labour stuff, but it's more like a, a nice little entertaining undercurrent to this kind of wider character that he's got. And yeah, I think the only I think the only comparison you can make for him in this G1 and the only other man, Joe, that I think I'd sit and I'd be willing to watch his promos is John Moxley. It's been him yeah. and Zack Sabre who've been like the... the re- like, I, I never go out and check these these promos after the shows, but there have been times I've left the stream on just to uh, just to check them out and see what they've got to say. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just the variety, but there's a consistency within the variety with the both Moxley and Zach are supplying as well, mm. which is what I really like about him. Zach's promos with Lance Archer, where he's referring to him as the barbecue Texas boy, and he's referring to himself as a soy boy. Just hilarious. The one with Osprey, where he's talking about how he just had a great match with somebody who doesn't have a brain. Imagine mm. what sort of match he'd have if Osprey had a brain. It was like, oh. <laughs> brilliant these um, are great shots but you know that they're sort of probably joking about this stuff backstage as oh, well it's course, almost yeah. like a he's look, sort of lifting the curtain ever so slightly mm. but he knows how to kind of pop that British audience if anything mm-hmm. of his references it's great that's it I love him uh, yeah he's a great tournament but yeah not quite over yet but it'll be interesting to see what they do with him on the final day they look to be uh, building towards a certain match that we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit for Royal Quest as well with him but mm-hmm. yeah Zack Sabre's been particularly memorable in this tournament but I mean before we move on to the, the A Block final day you know we've almost skipped over the, the main event of this show um, there's also a Sonata yeah. and Lance Archer and Bad Luck Farley and Tanahashi match and then if you either have many thoughts on that but i'm interested especially in your thoughts on oh go on jp i was gonna say with the archer one it was it was a lot it was shorter than some of the archer matches not as strong as the other ones amazing i'm right i'm looking at this match from the view of yeah did sonata bring down lance archer a little bit it was it was it was one of the slightly duller ones with the decent finish where he'd sonata had leapfrogged the pounce and did it into a roll-up that mm. felt different yeah but yeah other than that i was like three and a quarter I don't think there's a lot more to ever say about it. Yeah, and Farley and Tanahashi, I went a solid two on it because it was just, it was a bad version of their match. Uh, the le- yeah. they, we've, we've buried bad luck Farley enough. It it happens, I saw it, this roll-up gimmick thing, I'm not going to get the end. <laughs> but Evil and Okada, yeah, that's the one I'm really interested in your thoughts mm. on because I still haven't rated it on Grapple because I still don't know what I think. I'm just, we're going to talk about it more when we talk about the next day block match, but I don't know, the, the Okada formula has been very hit and miss for me this tournament. I thought I'd hate the Sonada match, and I enjoyed it, but the evil match was kind of what I was worried the Sonada match was. It was just, I don't know, for me, long for long's sake, and a, a match that happened that I could kind of intellectually tell was good, but just didn't draw me in in any way i don't know if it's evil i don't know if it's a formula but i don't know give me some guidance what did you guys give it as far as uh, grapple ratings on this one because i saw it a lot i mean the, the rating on the average on grapples 4.17 so i think generally people did enjoy mm-hmm. it. yeah i went four and a quarter i oh. did really enjoy this match um i gotta be honest the akada formula i get what you're saying but as the tournament's gone on i've enjoyed the akada formula more because I like the way he plays with the formula in the later stages of matches, and it almost feels like this sort of patient approach, and then the explosion. It feels like the patient approach is sometimes why the explosion is so effective, because they're not wrestling 
balls to the wall throughout. And there's this way of sort of representing Okada as the guy and the man because he's almost so in control, so composed. He's dictating the pace of the match. He's in control. To me, he is he is the Andrea Pirlo of wrestling in terms of the way he can just control a match in the way that Andrea Pirlo could control and dictate the pace of a game, if mm. anything. Like he's kind of a master at doing it. And when he wants to take the match in a different direction, he can do it, but in a variety of different ways. And I thought that this one was the most I've probably ever enjoyed evil. I can't think of a better evil match that I've ever seen. And it might be the actual other match he had with him at the G one. Was it yeah, two, like years, two ago? years ago? Yeah. yeah. But I was with this one in the early stages as well. And I was sort of thinking a carder in terms of being, in terms of playing his character, knowing how to represent himself as the guy, knowing what his character is at this point in time, when he's in his physical prime and he's kind of in his probably prime in the ring it's almost I, I get why he does it and as he ages like a Tanahashi I think he's going to put spins on this and he's going to play with it a little bit because I think if you watch Okada maybe three four years ago the first sort of 20 minutes of his matches aren't as slow as this they aren't as they aren't paced in this way it's almost like he's got his confidence back after the whole balloon thing last year mm. and they're trying to represent that yeah, this guy is a master. This guy knows what he's doing. And it's almost like he knows the match is going to explode and he knows that there are going to be chances for that guy. But at the same time, he knows how to put some of the way and he's almost got that variety in the final stages where he's going to put that person away. And you think about um, the people who beat him. You can say like a Sonada. It almost feels like Sonada's got that depth of experience in facing Nakada because he's lost to him, what was it, like four times, five times previously, and it's taken him to now, and it's Seven. taken him to get into the right into the 30th minute to beat him after that long experience of facing it. Maybe I'm reading way too much in to the way that he's put, maybe I'm reading too much into the character, but the economical approach that he employs has grown on me throughout, I've got to say. How about you, JP? Okay. See, I went four on this. I'm not as funny enough. I've been higher on evil on, throughout the tournament than, than than either of you guys. I think again, this was one of the times where there might have been that fatigue. So the early stages didn't grab me as much. I thought the last ten is absolute, absolutely, absolutely oh, incredible, incredible, really great stuff towards the end. So I get the high rating. In terms of the formula, I suppose there's a general thing where. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's often a bugbear of mine is the use of sprints mm. in wrestling. I don't think it's used often enough, and I think at times, in terms, I'm not saying this should be sprint necessarily, but I would have preferred to see. Uh, it's, it's a funny one. If you'd like had the Sonata match after this Evil match, I think I probably would have felt happier about it in terms of a card getting drained as the as the tournament goes on. And this, you know, him they've told that story before. Though, they have they, in 2017. Yeah, they they have. I I think for this that I'm probably at the end. Like I'm, I'll be glad of a break necessarily. Yes. And that and that's all that is. It's not necessarily a criticism per se of it. It's the fact that I've seen ten matches and how many of those have been kind of similar within that. It's not that they're bad. The, I, 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 when um, we, we were watching, um, was it Akada Ibushi, um, mm. like last night, I was talking about like, I was comparing Akada to what I always think of Bret Hart, as just someone who has this 
this move set and knows mm. exactly when to deliver it, how to deliver it in order to get and that. how to put spins and on how to various put, and how, moves yeah. as well, when and, to do them, what, what position yeah. the ring to put to use them. Oh, how it's to a pro. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it, it, and it just and it just feels churly, you know. And there's mm. other match. I suppose there's other matches I've seen this weekend <laughs> where I've been considerably more down on. So I think the idea of a sprint of a carder. So I the match that one of his matches that I liked the most in the tournament was the Archer match, mm. and that was because it felt like a carder couldn't control the pace of that mm. match. Yes, and it felt like he was a bit in trouble. And he played that up, and he got out of there quickly mm-hmm. because he was against like an unpredictable element in Archer. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's actually a more subtle way of getting across Akada's character with the match times to an extent and how much control he has in the match. So think of the Tanahashi match on night one. Mm. That was a, you say sprint, it was like a 21 minute sprint. It was like a greatest hits version of their match. But Mm. the pace that both Tanahashi and Akada wrestled there is completely different, really, to the pace they've wrestled most of their matches at Mm. in the tournament. They went balls to the wall. They gave that crowd what they wanted. And I almost look at it as Tanahashi went all out on night one and he kind of like blew his load yeah, on yeah. night one, if anything, and he can't go at that pace Hence anymore. Hence he's finished with at the end yeah. of it, yeah. And then he's had to adapt, slow it down. He then did his knees in against Evil when he hit the high fly flow and all the rest of it and it's led to this fall and he's and it's kind of like, it's kind of led to where Tanahashi is here. Whereas Akada in that match as well, it was like he was facing his old foe Tanahashi. It usually takes him a while to put him away, but he's the only person that, outside of like a big man like an archer, that he knows is going to test him in terms of taking control of that match and being the man in that match because it's Tanahashi who's passed the torch to him, but then obviously there was the relapse last year of him losing to Tanahashi again. And I just feel that there are these little things that you can, maybe, I'm like I said, I'm reading into it too much, Yeah, but uh, I don't know. There are, there are, I, if we were talking about WWE, I'd say you are looking into this too. Oh, much. But it's, but it's, but yeah, it's it's New Japan, and this stuff gets brought up on commentary, which yeah. is one of the brilliant things about the commentary is is all of the kind of the little rewards you get for um, being able to um, uh, just for following it, like those kind of the callbacks and everything else. And it's interesting about say about the time because the thought that just came to my head is that if they're playing, is the overall idea is that. Akada is at his best when a match goes long simply because he's able to kind of do those longer matches. Whereas when he went 15 minutes against Jay White at the Dome, that's when he ended up losing. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I can kind of Smart. get that as well. Yeah. It's, well, he's still fucking amazing. I think that's the thing. I think for me, I think, because we're about to talk about Day 17 anyway, so like I can tie this in because you know, the Day 17 main event, and you kind of alluded to it there, JP, him and Kota Ibushi, this is where like all the points you just made kind of came alive for me because it was like, like you say there, JP, he's still great. He's clearly, he's a wrestling genius. He is. Yeah. Uh, but And I'm watching it going, I like, I absolutely detested the first 20 minutes of the Kota Ibushi match. Really? But wow. I'm still I'm still sat there at the end of the match, though, Joe, and giving it four stars on Grapple. Because I reckon, because the last, one, the last 10 minutes are too good. And two, I recognize that, that he's so good. I mean, I, I don't want to... I made a joke on Twitter about calling Randall Keith Okada um, when he was strolling around the ring. You know, he, when he oh, does mate, that... That's bit, insulting. I that's know. Insulting I, Matty Edwards was, main, was mainly insulted we, that I insulted um, Randy Orton by comparing to Okada there. He's but. wrong on that in so many... <laughs> But it's just, it's that it's that 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 those bits of the first five minutes where he's just kind of strolls around forearm strolls around more forearm. But I could also recognise like intelligently that 
the people are more with it for that reason and when it gets to the last 10 minutes they get whipped into a frenzy because of the work that he's putting in those those first 20 minutes and like you say there's that story within a story of this is how Okada wins his matches by kind of taking his time and he's he, you're right he's not Randy Orton slapping on a headlock it is a mean comparison but like he's you know there's a there's a reason for for why he's going so slow there's a tactical reason but there's also just from a worker point of view it does make the crowd reactions that much louder like the crowd were insane for the for the near falls and the evil match and they were insane for the near falls and the Kota Ibushi match as well you know for the for the rainmakers and such they were completely whipped into that frenzy completely with them on you know all of the counters and stuff and i still you know even though i'll kind of one of my big critters i always say about wrestling is i think a lot of the time you know as long as you've got a good last five minutes in a match people people will forgive anything in the first 25 minutes like people will still give it a high rating because that's you know we've all got short memories and that's all we, we tend to remember in some matches you can't or you shouldn't uh, underestimate uh, how important uh, a great last five minutes is in a match but with Okada, yeah, it's like, even though I'm sat there and I'm really, really disliking the first 15, 20 minutes, kind of hoping Kota Ibushi is going to take the match by the horns and just do a Kota Ibushi match instead. Um, the quote-unquote formulaic Okada, it's, you know, I can still recognise it's it's great work and I can still recognise that it works and I still can't bring myself to give it less than four on, on Grapple. So, yeah, it feels like one of those situations where I'm almost admit willing to admit that I'm wrong to not like it but you know he always always pulls me around in the end um i don't know where, where, where did you both stand on the kota ibushi match and uh i don't know what you what you make of that uh, overall on uh with on okada well it's a funny one i can see what you're saying about that and i think there might have been a fatigue the first time i saw this but actually the, the interesting thing was is that i was with joe last night so we'd gone to united wrestling and then we'd gone back to watch the end of the g1 and match the day as well um before takeover so i saw it again and it was it was a lot more enjoyable, partly because I, I think you know, Joe, you seem to seem quite fresh for when you're watching it. Whereas before this, and we're going to another match we're going to talk about in this. I loved Osprey Tanahashi, mm. and I think there was an element of being possibly slightly burnt out because I took I watched Osprey Tanahashi before getting off to United Wrestling, which might have ah. been a mistake. Because <laughs> uh, um, you've got like a world class match, I mean, you've got. I don't know, non-league. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Like, I'm talking Sun. All right, Ashton Smith. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I took a break. So I came in, I came back home and it was just a bushy Okada. I had to watch from a day. And because I came into it with a fresh set of eyes after seeing possibly the worst wrestling show ever, it was like, wow, this is awesome. Like I loved a bushy Okada. I was with it the whole way through. I loved the sort of tension in the building as well. Um, it felt like something that was really important. And I loved the gradual lifting and build of the crowd mm. and the heat oh, as the genius. match goes on. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, all purposeful, isn't it, with Okada? Like, he knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. There's almost like they know when to change gears, if anything. And when those bursts kind of come, um, it, it just works. Like... I, I that last five six minutes, the the early establishing work I thought was good. I was with it. I liked the tension. I liked stuff like the, the way they were trading forearms. I liked the sort of 
Kanabushi coat with Okada. Was their first match in like five years? I think it was as well. I think 2014. The Tiger Mask W. Oh, match. that was 2017 or 16. That yeah, one. Yeah, but he's inhabiting this. You know, he was yeah. in his. He was on his gap year shit, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, year, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Um, so I think the last match was that anniversary show in like 2014 when Ibushi was junior heavyweight champion. Mm. So it's almost like a, a, a very fresh match in so many ways. And it's almost like Okada's got to work Ibushi out again to an extent to know how to control a match with Ibushi. And I liked how Ibushi was almost out striking him at various points mm. of it as well. But then when the match opened up, I thought some of the sequences just had me on the edge of my seat. Mm. Like, that sequence, some of the some of the ways Okada delivered drop kicks in the Evil mm. match oh. and in the Ibushi match, and the way he found different approaches to use yeah. that drop kick out of nowhere. You, you compare him to Randy Orton. <laughs> think about Randy Orton's RKO out of nowhere. These drop kicks were coming out of nowhere, and the way the camera was shooting him oh, at times. Oh, the cameramen were brilliant, weren't they? Like, I would oh. say, Orton's got a great drop kick himself, but he hasn't got to do the production crew working with him like the New Japan production crew worked with Okada. Like, that one where Ibushi was kind of in the corner, and the camera just focused in on him, and then just out of nowhere, there's Okada yeah. with the drop kick. Just perfect like that in WWE the wrestlers like and Randy Orton they work to the hard cam in New Japan it just feels like they work and the camera and work around them um, and the camera yeah. are just so good at capturing those types of things Kevin Dunn needs to be strapped up like Mike Malcolm McDowell in a clockwork orange and just forced to watch like New Japan camera Kevin work. Dunn just needs to go <laughs> oh yeah well there's that. that he's past it but I'd make him endure this as well just as a fucking punishment Mm. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to see you torturing him now. Actually, torturing him to watch like, New Japan. Well, yeah, it should be. It should be in that point. It should be. Um, yeah, torturing. I'm just wondering what you torturing someone would be like. Sorry, I'm distracting from a great match again, aren't I? With <laughs> JP in hypothetical situations based like around that. WWE. <laughs> always fun to think about. All right, Kev. It's, <laughs> he wouldn't be getting that. No, Kev Yuke. Yeah. yeah, but one thing, like some of the sequences in this match, we probably should mention. I think mm. as well. Um, the drop kick into the set-out power bar. Oh, it was brilliant. Mental. Mm. Yeah. Like, I was losing my shit for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, There was the short drop kick, which Okada did, which looked brutal, which mm. I've never seen him do like that before as well. And also, the bomber yay, and the way that Okada reversed that bomber yay and just absolutely clonked him with that drop kick was mm. mental. Mm. Like, I was losing my shit for that in so many ways and the last one as well did you notice did you notice Ibushi delivered a V trigger at one point as well did he I, I mean, he was doing his Nakamura yeah. tribute spots but I didn't spot was that when he, he was Cogs the, the Rainmaker so it, yeah it wasn't like it wasn't like a V trigger that he set up but you know the, the standing V trigger I know what you when mean Omega that, yeah. just froze it at sort of a short distance mm. yeah he did that at one point during that finishing sequence I was like V trigger and sort of like Got well excited for it as well. Nice little reference point there. Little tease as well. Like, yeah, j- just great stuff. And also, is he is a card the first person to kick out of the Kamigoi? Yeah, we were talking about that today. I think I think that is the case. Yeah. Um, although, oh no, did, didn't someone else in the tournament? Archer did. Archer, didn't Archer yeah. take two? 
I think he and gave it to a knee one. That was the first, yes. which is weird, isn't it? To kind of, yeah, not give when that to Okada. When he didn't go down. Yeah. If I remember rightly, Archer from that one. Different mm. sort of opponent. Yeah, he did. You're right. That was a great sequence, but different yeah. sort of opponent. It's the Archer factor again. Yeah, the big Archer's one. the like weird anomaly that you've got to find a weird way to sort of beat and think outside of the box. So I suppose I get it from that point of view. Mm. But yeah, I thought that it was kind of earned Okada getting too, getting to kick out of it. And mm. then going straight to the next one and finishing it. Like, usually, um, if you predicted a finisher, I'd get a bit annoyed about someone kicking out of it, especially when it's a clean finisher. But it felt like the right time to have him kick out of it, mm. if anything. I hope Jay White doesn't get a chance to kick out of it tomorrow. I'd be pissed off if he does. It does not fit <laughs> oh, we'll have to... Jay White at all. <laughs> oh, we'll have 20 to to bury Jay White, don't worry. What did you guys go for, for the main, by the way? What did you give it uh, as far as star ratings go? I gave it four. It was like a grudging four, but I'm guessing you both went higher. I went four and a half. I went four and a quarter. Originally, I'd gone four, but after watching it again, I was like, this is great. So it's like four mm. and a quarter. I don't know. Maybe I knocked a quarter off for those Nakamura tribute spots. I mean, he's not dead, lads. What are they doing? Are they building a match? I don't understand. It's like, what, why? Why? It was like when, when Yoshihashi was dressing in red and um, oh, who else was doing it? Goto was doing uh, Nakamura tribute as well. He's not dead. He's just oh. on SmackDown, lads. That's all it is. Feels like he's dead, doesn't it? <laughs> in well that be. regard, <laughs> uh, I don't mind it because there's a long-term story there. There are layers to him using the move. He'll be, he'll be back. If there's yeah, a payoff, I'll think. Yeah, Ibushi got, Ibushi got over in New Japan really as a heavyweight based on that match he had with Nakamura in G1 Wrestle in King. 2013. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then the Wrestle Kingdom match as well. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. was 2015, right? If yeah, I remember rightly. Yeah, 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 January 2015, yeah. That was the year that Jim Ross had commentated on it. Yeah, he was going, mm. yeah. but it, it, there, there is context to it. So, so I don't mind it because there is almost like a... It feels like a sort of semi-passing of some sort of torch to some degree. I don't know. Mm. Well, well, they always like... Sorry, oh, yeah. No, go on, JP. No, I was going to say, they always like to play up on the idea that his two big influences are Nakamura and Tanahashi, aren't they? That's the mm. that's the storyline the commentators have certainly been telling. Definitely. Well, a match where I think we're all going to agree on, I think, um, that kind of preceded this one, and like we, we kind of said earlier, spoilt, uh, maybe spoilt my enjoyment of the main events and spoilt your enjoyment of local wrestling, Osprey Tanahashi. <laughs> this was one that had me, again, the, the standing and pacing in my den, uh, Joe Lanza thing, that, that was kind of me with this one. And it's only really Osprey matches that do it for me these days, but in there with Tanahashi, just like probably maybe even the greatest wrestler of all time against the, the best current modern wrestler just and and a great styles clash of things as well it was just it was awesome it was everything i wanted it to be really um it wasn't a perfect match by any means but i thought they had more comp chemistry than i imagined i loved watching tanahashi bump for osprey's dumb moves like d- bumping for like the essex destroyer not the essex destroyer the um oh, the cutter off the the os cutter bumping yep. for and, and kind of being there for like osprey's silly sequences but the sasuke it- special oh yeah he, actually he tanahashi did a good him, job to get yeah. himself to move over step, yeah. step to the side and grab him but there is something about tanahashi like it doesn't look like he, he's not always just he's not just playing along with osprey is he it's like it still feels like a a real struggle and a real fight i just we kind of got a preview of this and that great tag at the end of end of last year and this was just brilliant for me i was with it right to the finish i was right with with uh with osprey when he won jumping up and down in my living room the dub music kind of took a little bit away from the moment but it was still great brilliant moment great moment in osprey's career and yeah a great match for me um this was for me uh i don't 
I think most people would probably go with this being the match of the evening, but it, it definitely was for me. Uh, on Grapple, I went with this one. I went with 4.75. Uh, I, could, I don't think I was ever going to go 5. It wasn't a perfect match, but I absolutely loved it. Um, where did you two guys uh, stand on this one? I went four and a half as well. Um, I, th- I preferred it to the Ibushi Okada match, but I think that's because one second, sorry, <clears throat> sorry about that. I'm more invested in the Osprey story because yes. it's Osprey, mm. and yeah, I, I was desperate to see him win this, so I did go a bit mad when he actually won and when he won like that <laughs> as well. What what I thought was so unique about the match, right? Think about Osprey. And you know that list I did of Ospreys, like mm. people who have had the best matches of Osprey? Mm. They're all guys who, where Osprey drags their performance up and he gets the best performance out of those guys on that night a lot of the time. They're kind of guys that are working level below Osprey. This is the first time I can remember Osprey working someone of this tenure and at this mm. sort of point in their career and of this kind of status, yes. if anything, as kind of a legend. Yeah. Like I was trying to rack my brain on who else he's faced at this sort of level, and I really couldn't think of anyone. And you think of how Osprey, you think of the uh, Super Juniors, right? He's mm. the man in the Super Juniors this year. He's having this variety of mad matches with these different guys, right? But when he goes in there with this absolute legend who's working this completely different style to everyone he's kind of faced this year, and he has another absolute banger with a guy. Yeah, I thought this was like insanely good the characters the roles mm. they were both playing you've got this guy on the way up you've got someone on the way down and they played that into the match perfectly it was an absolutely stunning match that i, I want to watch again i think i'm going to watch this one again when i get home tonight i was mm. that impressed with it yeah and that into the match and tanahashi is just a god yes like yeah, he is. he's possibly the greatest wrestler of all time and he's possibly facing the guy who could take his crown as the greatest wrestler of all time if his body holds up at some mm. point, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, my immediate, I gave it four and a half. Um, and my immediate thought after is, I want to see this again. I want to see this like in a main without a 30-minute time. I limit. think you could do it at Wrestle Kingdom yeah. as a rematch. That was it. We were talking, actually, do you know what? There's a lot of places. If they said to me, all right, you're going to do a rematch. It's a Royal Quest. I'll be like, get in. I'll be all well all right with that. If they said to you, you're going to do it at King of Pro Wrestling, absolutely fine. If you said you do it at the Dome, I'd be like, how special would that be? I mean, that would have the real significance to it. And, I mean, one of the things to say about Tanahashi as well is this this arc they built with him. Now, in, in the Pickums, I predicted that, that Tanahashi would get to the final and lose. But the way they've done this with the four and five and asking the question marks of his career, and I've always thought it's the storyline that they get to where there's a lot of interesting directions, which is basically the ace who hasn't got it anymore or and then possibly leading to the ace who can't accept he's not the ace. Hmm. And you can do really interesting things character-wise. Whether or not you can make someone as beloved as Tanahashi as, say, an outright heel, I don't know. I wouldn't have any doubts of him pulling it off. One of the things we were talking with a um, friend of the show, Mark Buckledy, about, I was saying about Tanahashi and DDT, where he played this kind of very, very subtle heel. Um, I, I left with this. I've got much more intrigue about where they go with Tanahashi as a result of the way they booked him throughout this tournament. And I think that's great. And I'm more than happy with this. And seeing what Osprey clearly got from this, mm. the idea of like, it was, you know, you talk about doing business the right way and all the rest of those terms they like to use in WWE. This was business done exactly the right way. Think about how many guys Triple H did this for. None. Batista. Batista. Batista was the only one. I mean, he got his win back yeah. this year. Of course he fucking had to. Yeah. 
Yeah, Tanahashi, oh. Tanahashi as well. I think I see t- another sledgehammer again. It's too <laughs> fucking soon. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Yeah, we'll save that for tomorrow. Well, I think Tanahashi though as well. He'll do this, and he's quite. He is a selfless wrestler, but you can tell as well mm. he's doing this because he rates us. He wouldn't be putting himself through this yeah. if he didn't rate Osprey. He wouldn't be in there with Osprey, you know, going through the Osprey sequences and willing to put him over so strong if he didn't see what the rest of us saw in Osprey. That's kind of what I thought was so endearing about the match as well. It's like even if you know maybe technically it wasn't the best match you could get between these two and i think you i'm with you both i'm almost sad it's zach and tanner at royal quest they're not osprey and tanner uh, at least that's the way it's looking at the moment because i do think there's mm-hmm. better in them but even again even if the in ring wasn't absolutely perfect as great as it was i think maybe yeah like you say the drama and the the significance of it in tanner that being crowd put in osprey and 50, the crowd 50 crowd for osprey, osprey against like... tanner yeah a brit yeah. against tanahashi and, and winning them round, and I think it says a lot about like the investment that both New Japan have put into Osprey, but also Osprey into New Japan. That's a big, big move to move yourself over to Japan. And I think it's been so well appreciated by the Japanese audience hmm. that this is a guy who is, you know, we talk about that top four mix they have. It becomes a top five with him. If they want it to be. If that. they want yeah, it to yeah. be. Yeah, and if they're bringing Tanahashi down a card, who knows? It was a character-driven match. Yes. And I think it was best suited to be in a character-driven match at this point in Tanahashi's mm-hmm. career. And that character work did a lot for Osprey as well. Like, Yeah, I think two or three years ago, you could have had an insane match where there's character work involved, but Tanahashi's at his, you know, kind of his best, if anything, his athletic prime, and you get an insane match out of it. But I love the work around character. I love the the depth, the layers that exist within the Tanahashi character and the arc that they're taking him on at the moment. And yeah, I just don't see anyone else in wrestling doing anything like this with this level of depth. It's, yeah, it's great. And I look forward to where it goes. I'd love to see Tanahashi from now take a break. Say G1 has not been a good tournament for me. Mm. I need to go away and reassess. Let him rest up. Let him go over the tour. Have him come back at Wrestle Kingdom have him challenge Osprey. Have him say, I want you. I want you at Wrestle Kingdom. And possibly have him try and go at that level. Or have him come back with an adapted style or something. Mm-hmm. Or have him again try and go at that level, try to beat Osprey. Have him take another break, come back at G1 next year with an adapted style, bit of a subtle character change, possibly. I know New Japan don't do that, but don't really take breaks in New Japan. But yeah, I want him to preserve himself for as long as possible, but still be a part, an integral part of the promotion because I, I think we'd miss him massively, wouldn't definitely, we? Definitely. Well, maybe you could do that after Royal Quest, uh, after the Zack Sabre mm. match. Say, say he loses there, doesn't win the British belt and kind of moves on. Um, just quickly, what you, what because you, we've got lots of a uh, little bit more A block mm. and lots of B block to go through, but what do you make of that as a as a match for Royal Quest? Is, is that... Do you think that's the headline? Do you think there's there's more to be added? Um, it's an interesting match, Zach and Zach and Tanahashi. I'm sure it'd be great. Um, they built it today, didn't they? They had Zach, yeah, get beat by Tanahashi again uh, in a multi in one of the multi bands, and then cut a promo afterwards, uh, challenging Tanahashi for Royal Quest. Oh, I haven't seen that. I didn't know that. Ah, uh, I saw it in Madison Square Garden. Their matches are always decent. I'm not overly bothered about it. I'll I, I enjoy it, I'm sure, but yeah. I'd rather have had something else that was a bit fresher. Uh, if it's a 1A and 1B situation, it's okay as part of the puzzle. I'm hoping there's a big Okada match to come as well. Yeah, exactly. It, dep- it depends on, on what else is with it at that at that point in time. But I, to be honest, I'm fine with seeing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, unfortunately, Joe had to go 
had to sit through a lot of Ring of Honor to get through. To get and through I had to it. sit through a guy sat next to me telling me that Zack Sabre Jr. sucks and he needed to drink a damn protein shake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of Zack, uh, the other match we shouldn't get lost before we move on to the wheel back is, uh, mm. is him and Kenta from this last day, Black Day. Love this one as well. Uh, kind of yep. added up there with the, the Kota match and kind of gave it uh, 4.25 again for me. Uh, I loved it. I thought Zack's... It was one of those matches where... Because Zach does try and, and strike with wrestlers like Kenta, but I love the fact that when he does get hit with a prop, he, he gets a few kicks in. But then when Kenta comes back with a real Kenta dig, Zach just crumples up and dies uh, and has to kind of rely uh, on his submissions at the end. And almost like the poetry of him kind of getting knocked you know, 10 shades of shit out of him all match. And then at the end, only being able to come back and get a little bit of his own back and get some digs in is when he's literally got Kenta wrapped up in like an octopus submission and Kenta can't do anything about it. And Zach's just getting a few little digs in. I loved it. I thought it was a great story. Another great Zack Sabre kind of character performance. Uh, and just all in all, yeah, a great match with a, a great story with uh, with Zach and Kenta, apparently going back to the, to the Noah days and Zach even training on the Kenta. Uh, I thought this was brilliant. And yeah, on any other night, it, it might have been the match of the night. Yeah, I went four stars on it. Um, I love the commentary on this, the way they built up the the Noah stuff as well. You know, not being, a, you know, acknowledging the history of other companies. What a wild idea that is. Um, Zach's transitions, they felt like there was not a lot of wasted motion in this match as well. The arm work, working on the injured shoulder. Yeah, really enjoyed this. And, you know, it was what they do with Kenta afterwards. I mean, I think we'll have a better idea tomorrow of the actual G1 final, what goes on with Kenta in the future for this. He'll turn. I think so. Have him lose the plot a bit and just become an arsehole. Yeah, yeah. the fans hate yeah. him anyway. The fans see him as an outsider anyway. Lean into it. <laughs> Absolutely. Lean into it 100%. Have him kind of rejecting the idea of what Shibata's telling him or whatever it is on there as well. But yeah, with this match, it was, yeah, loved it. It, to me, when I was watching this match, I was thinking, like, Zach's strikes were good. They've got even better. Mm. Like, he's one of the best strikers in wrestling now, if you ask me. And look at the size of him. Like, for a guy of his size to be able to get those strikes over at that level and be seen as credible, he's in a cracking job. Should he not have a couple of protein shakes before delivering the strikes next time? Ah, that guy's probably I'm calling him a soy boy as well, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Very assault right. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's a... But yeah, maybe he's not for everyone, uh, poor Zach. But I remember Regal and Finley didn't like him, didn't they? That wasn't that the rumor in Two Hundred Five Live. Oh, sorry, on the the Cruiser Classic, they thought his his wrestling was, yeah, his wrestling was gay. I think it was kind of the, the phrase that came out. I'm not saying it. Really? Apparently, that's what they said. Yeah. Finley um, calling the fucking kettle black. Finley tweeted something about how he didn't like Zach. I don't rate Zach Saber Junior. Something like that. It was like that, wasn't it? Um, well, well, he wrong. showed them anyway, hasn't he? He's wrong. Mm. The end. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Sorry, he's wrong. Yeah. Don't give it. a shit how many years he's worked within the business with the boys. Well, he's they, fucking wrong on that. They got Pete Dunn. Mm. He'd be honest. bigging up fucking Babatundi, wouldn't he, above <laughs> Zach Sabre Jr. So they can get the fuck. Yeah, it all worked I, out I, for the best. Don't hear that corporate bullshit lines anymore. Definitely not. Uh, before we move on to the B block, uh, anything on Archer and Evil or Sonata and Bablock file? A couple of matches, really, for me. Um, Archer's been I, great. I did enjoy Archer Evil. That was good. And I love the, like, the claw. It was the most I've liked the claw. Mm. The mm. way, although Evil shows. Goofy, but he's got it over, hasn't he? The crowd are into it. Yeah, and he yeah, went over strong with him that. at the end, mm. wasn't it? They were, they were going mental for him oh, at the yeah. end when he was standing up. And that Everybody Dies song is kind of sticking in my head a lot. Mm. 
I'm glad he got another win because yeah. I want to see. I want to see Archer at uh, oh, Copper Box. A, a few people oh, have said it, but like you've you've got to believe Archer finishing on six points. Like they just didn't expect him to get over to this point. Like him coming last in the block is just them not really knowing that, that he was going to get this over. Because um, yeah, there's so much you can do with him now, including bringing him over yeah. here. Yeah, he's. Um, I mean, really, I think we should spend a bit more time bigging up Lance Archer and never discussing like the like bad luck Farle again. Or anything. <laughs> I'm up for that. Farley yeah. beats Sonata. What's that about? Like, the, I don't like Sonata, but they're trying to get Sonata over. What are they thinking? I don't get crowd, it. Crowd liked it. Terrible decision. Don't get this storyline. It's best to almost pretend it's not happened. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the man that the the reverse Mandela it's a bit WWE. I thought him mm. winning mm. like that. It, it was a very WWE eyes match. I mean, a very WWE style finish. I yep. thought as well. It was very odd. Mm, yeah. Why horrible. does Farley need to finish on eight points? Like fucking oh, shite. Yeah. I know. I, it, it's some probably like I heard the Midge Park say. You know, maybe it's the fact that he's office, or maybe it's the fact that for some reason they just think there's. Va- I mean, I think the biggest problem there is though he gets it by going over Sonada, who they just had beat Okada. Like, like I know. Like what? Like I don't like Sonada, but if you're gonna do that, then it, stick the landing. You know what I mean? Don't put bad luck Farley over him. It just feels like there's a willingness that they can do on some of the the slightly you know those row two shows they can have a rematch with them and bad like you know it just sort of it's a it's a match they can put a singles match they can put near the top of the card again although mm. christ knows who wants to see it again the crowd here though seem to seem to enjoy sonata farley mm. not as much as they've enjoyed lance arch who just deserves every bit of joy and i'll be genuinely pissed off if he's not at the copper box put the never belt on him yeah that or the us give him give him a run i swear to god after this tournament it feels like the never title mix could be really some really great stuff in there hoyt mania running wild <laughs> oh yeah i'm well off for that uh, i'll buy the t-shirt jp um i will wear it uh, but moving Quite on from- a maniac since day one over here <laughs> i was more of a rock and rave guy but you know i can get behind Twitter media too <laughs> uh but yeah i mean we'll talk probably talk a bit more about him when we, we go through the final be interested to see what they do with him on the final day if they give mm-hmm. him something just to kind of uh reward him for how good he's been this tournament but yeah we spent Maybe a lot of time break him out of suzuki gun oh, i'll take that too um or be this yeah be the just be the top monster there uh there's plenty of things you can do with him but yeah we spent a lot of time talking the a block but i think we've kind of put off the inevitable here uh as far as b block goes there's a very there's one particular thing we should we should definitely talk about but before we get there uh there is the small matter of night 16 that was midweek and there's not a huge amount to talk about from this show in fact there's only really one place to start and we should mention it because it was one of the matches of the tournament uh shingo and tomohiro ishii uh shingo he looked twice the size of Ishii in this thing. Uh, he also looked bigger than Goto in, a, in his match at Night 18 as well. Uh, mm. Yeah, it was just, as far as Hoss fights go, and as far as kind of that typical heavyweight New Japan style match, that's what this was. I absolutely loved it. Ishii's been... I expected Osprey to be the wrestler of the tournament, but I think it's actually been Ishii, and Shingo's not that far behind. I think Shingo... I think it's then, then it's Osprey, then it's Shingo right behind him, at least for me. Um, but this was absolutely incredible. Just a, a very, very manly match with all the no-selling you could kind of want, but at the same time selling, which, you know, Ishii is... There's no better man than him at doing that. There was a spot in the match, wasn't there, where Shingo kind of took a few forearms from Ishii and turned around to to kind of wince and not let Ishii know that he was in pain and then came back and carried on no-selling. And Ishii's the master of that stuff too. Uh, Definitely, definitely for me, one of the matches of the tournament and one that if people uh, have been skipping the B block a little bit, 
it's one that you absolutely need to check out as far as uh, grapple goes i went four and a half on it the average is 4.69 so even higher than that uh, i loved it uh, where did you guys stand four and a half i the thought i had watching this match is it was like ishii's like one of the hardest kids in quite a big school. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this other really hard kid, but from a slightly small school from one of the more suburban parts of town comes in and they have a fight. And he's still hard, but he's up against like someone who's battle-hardened hard as well. So that's when you had like the wincing aways at each other. Like not wanting... It was that... It's that kind of selling that... I mean, Riddle... I remember you asking Riddle a question about it and it doesn't happen enough, which is this hurts. I kind of, the instinct to show it hurts, but then not to show it hurts afterwards. Mm. To brush it off. To brush it off and then grit your teeth. Yeah. And I think, you know, through this and Joe is going to give a lot of Shingo love in a, in a minute as well. And Ishii deserves every bit of love that he enjoys throughout it. But Shingo's facials in the tournament. Mm. And I think like, even with the mouth guard, it just kind of adds to him and his presence I love genuinely wince-inducing stuff. There was a point, I think I just ended up, you'd look at the sweat, like, coming off some of those chops in the middle of the ring. It was just incredible stuff. Um, yeah, like a real blue-collar match, mm. if there was one. This. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> blue-collar wrestling, love it. Yeah, blue-collar hard lads from school fighting. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, I think you did it a real job there, JP, to be honest. I loved it because... What I also enjoyed about it is, do you remember at the beginning of the tournament when I said watch this match? Mm. Because I think that Shingo feels like a natural replacement in the Ishii role at Mm. some point, with Ishii at 43. And Kevin Kelly mentioned that as well. And Ishii played that up in his approach to the match. It was like Ishii felt threatened. Mm. And like what I loved about this is I watched this one twice as well. There are little things about Ishii's character and his selling in this that I'd never seen before. Some of the, did you hear like the grunting sounds he was making? But mm. also some of the comments he was making, like his comments, he, he occasionally will say something matches. They were more aggressive here. Mm. The way Chris Charlton was getting them across as well, it felt like, yeah, this is really playing into the match as well. Oh. One of the things I loved was, you know, when Ishii does his like, the sort of strike based no cell comeback when someone's hitting him. Yeah. yeah. He's coming forward and he's walking forward and he's like, yeah, come on then. Shingo was like, Ah, fuck you. And downed him and just came back with this like rapid strike base response. And I think he downed him with a clothesline as well. And he just fucked Ishii's usual game plan. And the way Ishii sold his like frustration after that was amazing. Like the subtle work from Ishii was some of the best I've ever seen from him. And he's been one of the best wrestlers in the world for the past five, Mm. six years. But this was like high level stuff. That again, it's not as if Ishii's on his way down, but it's similar to the dynamic in that Tanahashi Osprey match, mm. where there's a purpose to how they're transitioning roles, possibly, and how they're. So he's year twelve, and going Shingo's forward. going into year eleven, isn't he? That's yeah. basically what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's like the next guy who's sort of in a similar position is coming through. He feels threatened, and also when it when the match finished, that headbutt sequence after mm. the match. How often do you see that? Like, Ishii's usually stumbling out. Yeah, he was stumbling out afterwards. But those little headbutts, it was like Ishii was so pissed off that this guy had, like, beat him that he was reacting to him after the match. That's not something I've ever seen Ishii do. Hmm. It was phenomenal stuff, this. I went four and a half stars. This was one of the most organic matches 
of the tournament, the one mm. the one count kickouts. When I see them on indie shows, I've often got an issue with them. I feel oh, like yeah. they're not earned a lot of the time. I remember Travis Banks doing one in progress that I was just like, just didn't feel organic at all. Mm. This felt completely organic. It was the first time I think we've seen it in the tournament. And it fit with what both guys were trying to get across in this. Some of the best selling, some of the best character work, and one of the best matches of the tournament. Shingo is just on a different planet at the moment. Mm. Your top three, Ben, I'd agree with that, but I'd, I'd flip it. I think Shingo might be my wrestler of a tournament, possibly. Wow. It's him and not him. It's those three, not sure in what order. It could flip on different days. I think there's different, different. There is a good argument for each of them. They're the breakouts, aren't they? Osprey and Shingo. That's like it's they been are. Ishii's kind of just had the standard fucking great tournament that we take for granted. Shingo and Osprey have kind of a made men after this summer. Like I think they've they've already announced today that Shingo is now a heavyweight, which is the right thing to do. Uh, and they need I to do the same could. thing with Osprey as well. Definitely. But yeah, that was awesome. I mean, the only other real notable thing on this night 16, I think it's going to tie really into our night 18 chat, was uh, the Jay White Juice Robinson match, uh, which for me was the. It was the. It was the uh, I've enjoyed Jay White. I do like him as a character, but the Gado interference and the bullshit, it kind of. I hit my limit on it in this one. Uh, I love Juice as the underdog babyface. If anyone's going to sell that stuff, then, you know, he's the man for it. But yeah. This was a tough watch, and I don't know. Uh, I'm guessing, Joe, uh, you weren't a, were you a fan of this one, uh, or was it a sign of uh, yeah. things to come with Jay White? Oh, did you like it? No, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I like the selling. I like the approach. I thought Juice was excellent in the match. I thought Jay White was a bit more aggressive mm. uh, than usual as well. I'm never. I don't think I'm ever going to love, love Jay White ever, but. I enjoyed the match. I thought Juice was really good in it. I went four stars on it. Oh. I maybe could have gone mm. 3.75. I just think Juice is selling, and when someone can sell like that and it plays into the finish of a match, I've kind of got a bit of a sort of soft spot for those sort of matches, if anything. Mm. I thought it was all right, personally. Yeah, the interference did annoy me a bit, but ah, I suppose it worked with the end of the match and the route it's, they're trying to go with Jay White. It's just doing it every night, isn't it? It's like last year when they were trying to yeah. establish him as this heel. Um, like again, I did Voices of Wrestling say that, that they were just trying to establish in every town, this is the new Jay White character. And it just feels like, yeah, in every town, we're getting the same, same stuff um, to not much payoff. Well, this uh, this one I was I'm not as high on it as, as Joe. I went three and a half for it. Mm. I I like the stuff with the knee and the build up for the TTO. I, I didn't mind that. It's just that I like the match in LA that they had. Yeah, and it yeah. just sort of and it, and it just didn't feel like that to me necessarily. I've enjoyed one. Juice's matches where he does a lot yeah. of selling though. I find them a nice sort of break match from sort of you know you got Shingo and um, uh, Ishii with like your heavy strikes. Mm. Goto and Moxie was a little bit of that as mm. well. This is a completely different sort of match. I quite like the variety on the card, if anything. Mm. Yeah, at least you've got that. Um, but yeah, it's not awful or anything. Though, no, I it? gave it. Yeah, I, I watched that the the afternoon a- before we recorded. I gave it three and a half. It was just um, yeah. It, it's just it's the match that that it was always going to be. Um, yeah. Did either you? I mean, before we get into the night eighteen and the final B Black Knights, anything else you rated from uh, from this night sixteen that you uh, you tell people to watch? Uh, yeah, A Block's been mainly the story, hasn't it, from an in ring point of view? It has, although the B Block booking was kind of interesting going in, into the last night as well, with the kind of setup for everything. I'd say I enjoyed Moxley Goto. The mm. fact it was only eight minutes, you know, someone who's always bemoaning these sprints, Need and it kind of. of felt like that. A mm. lot of really good hard-hitting stuff. Moxley on top, and then Go hits the surprise GTR 
And I thought that was that was different. The idea that one of the things that Mox they've been building up is that Moxley plans for every match and the way that he he strategizes it is really well. But he kind of I think he the idea of him being he just sort of overlooked Goto because there's a kind of much more of a desperation of having to win in order to kind of stay in order to kind of lead in the tournament. So I I enjoyed it for that eight minutes. Mm. I have to admit, Night O Cobb I barely saw because at that point. Like I was watching the Arsenal transfer deadline day, and I think they'd announced David Luiz and Kieran and Kieran Tierney around that point. I was like, get in. So I was, I was kind of in a good mood, but I was a lot more distracted with what hypothetically Arsenal could do for the, this season. Anyway, yeah. So that's my thoughts on on Night O'Cobb. I don't know what you two thought of those two matches. Yeah. Nah, I didn't mind it. Job. It was all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, but yeah. Goto, no. Yeah, I liked it. It was a good eight minutes. Mm. I thought it it was a nice sort of length, especially when you were going to go do a similar match later in the night with yeah. Shingo and Ishii. Yeah. Eight minutes was a good length for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as far as uh, night 18 goes then, the, the B-Block final day, I don't know where you want to start, lads. Uh, there's a big story here. There were some good matches, though. I enjoyed it. You know, uh, Ishii and Taichi mm-hmm. had, had a match that I didn't think Taichi had in him. No bullshit, just a straight-up Ishii match. Really enjoyed that. Uh, Juice and Moxley maybe wasn't quite up to the standard of the previous match, but I really enjoyed that. Um, I don't know. Did you have highlights? I it was on- better than the previous match, did honestly. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I much preferred it. I really liked the story. They were telling this one. Oh, I like the callbacks to the previous match as well. Like, think about where Moxley's come from. Callbacks? Is that a thing where he came from? <laughs> That's true. And it, it, just watching him, like, in his element. It like, always feels like a fight la- when they're in there together, doesn't it, at least? Yeah, layered storytelling. It's like he's an actor mm. that's gone from working in, I don't know, he's a great actor who was working in EastEnders, and he's got himself a role in an HBO drama. <laughs> And he's killing it. Probably like Trevor Morgan recently. I was going to say, he's like Trevor Morgan. EastEnders to Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although Trevor was only in it for one episode. Mate, it's memorable. When I I think back on Chernobyl, like a sort of little, if there's a montage of thoughts, a stark bollock, Trevor Morgan walking out of a Russian mine after a nuclear reactor has exploded. That's in my head. For me, that was the highlight of the series, if I'm honest. (laughs) <laughs> there might be a bit he of bias might, that there. might have been the actual high point in that he was excellent <laughs> he, he was talking of blue collar he was blue collar through yeah. and through he'd have got in there with Shingo and I think, kicks I, I think the lad from Bread was kind of my highlight but I enjoyed little that little Mo to Shingo <laughs> say that again what was the highlight <laughs> for you the lad from Bread uh, who was also in Goodnight Sweetheart who turned up as yeah, well yeah yeah oh yes great couple of uh, callbacks there but yeah I can definitely I can definitely <laughs> see that I could see Moxley just walking around naked in a minor hat maybe that'll be his next promo video uh, maybe we could do that <laughs> Uh, but he, no, I could pull it off. I'd have, yeah. I'd have faith in him to do it. <laughs> but I do think the point stands, doesn't it? As well as kind of having more to sink his teeth into, and he looks like he's having the fucking time of his life in New Japan. Mm. Uh, you also got yeah the fact that he's able to have these grittier kind of brawls, you know, doing like the earring spot, which I, I heard some people yeah. say was a bit goofy, but I kind of enjoyed it. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, but I say I, I, maybe I liked the, the previous one a little bit better. I still enjoyed it. Uh, I still gave it uh, 3.75 on Grapple. Um, maybe I'm being harsh. What did you give it, JP? I think I gave it um, three and a half. Mm. It sounds a bit almost brutal, but we are sort of, you know, we're splitting hairs. Ultimately. I went four and a quarter. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I went 
Oh, it's three and a half, but it's not saying I, I disliked it. In Grapple any average is three point seven nine. Um, okay, but that yeah, was the I, high man on this one. Then yeah. there you go. Doesn't happen often, Joe. <laughs> it was good though. Uh, I enjoyed that. I thought that the was good. Story of Joe's. Oh, I think it's line. actually happened more during this tournament than you guys are letting on. Wow. Yeah. Is it involved, yeah, Jay White, or? Oh, but we want to keep it's the stereotype. It's New Japan, mate. Miserable New, New Japan's just great, and <laughs> it's been on the best run of any wrestling promotion probably ever over the past six, seven years. Does and yeah, yeah. There's a lot of shit that goes on in wrestling, but this is just awesome. And I'm completely disillusioned with the British scene and mm. British wrestling, and I've got no real interest in British wrestling at the moment, but New Japan is just oh. still fire on all cylinders yeah. at periods like this. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the best. Uh, what did you make of the uh, the rest of the undercard? Did you, did you, did you rate uh, Ishii and Taichi uh, as highly as I did? I went, yeah, that was great. I went four stars really on the Taichi match, and I'm shocked at myself. Yeah, I, yeah, I went the same stars. as well. Like We were all um, watching it this morning, uh, and we were all just amazed by how good it was. Yeah. It was certainly better than anything I watched on Takeover last night, which we were waking up from. Yeah, it was awesome. Like Ishii was dragging a match out of Taichi. Taichi was bringing his fucking A game. An A game I don't think anyone thought he even had. And he, he very it. occasionally shows it. Like, like I swear to God, it's like less than four times a year. But when he does, there's like this real pleasant surprise. Because I, I was raving about that. Not raving, but that Tai Chi Jeff Cobb match, mm. which is all right. Not as good as this one. But he can do it. Mm. It's just that here's a crazy idea. Why doesn't he try and do it a lot more? <laughs> I'd take it. Just a thought. <laughs> it out there. Uh, what did you both make of uh, Goto Shingo? That was another one I gave. Loved uh, it. Four stars. Like, in, in a lot of ways, they look almost like mirror images of each other. I'd yeah. take, take Shingo, you know, you're saying what you could do with Shingo in the future. You know, those weird little pushes that Goto gets every now and then, just give them to Shingo instead. Yeah, I mean, you could just make, you could just recast Goto and make him Shingo. I'd take that. Um, but yeah, these two, like, in the ring with each other, it was almost like the, that that Spider-Man meme uh, with the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Uh, that's what kind of what I was looking at. We yeah. were looking at it, but... Shingo's I, got more charisma yeah, and, like, dynamism, if you ask me. He's more explosive. It's harsh on Shingo, um, isn't it, to, to kind of say that? Um, but yeah, I like Goto, and Goto is stale. But mm. when he's got an opponent like, a like Shingo, this. yeah, I think I think we underrate him sometimes because he is stale, mm. and he he can still produce really good matches at this sort of level. His dome record is is really good as really strong Goto's as well. There was an intensity to this match yeah. that I loved. Mm. Um, it, it was sort of like a like a sort of. B-level version of the Ishii match, Ishii Shingo match, if anything, but still a, a really good match. I went four and a quarter on this one as well. Wow. Yeah, I was. But by the way, can I say as well? For some reason, I did have four stars for Moxley Robinson. I don't oh. know. I haven't just altered that now, but I, swear, yeah, I did for that. But yeah, for this one, I went four <laughs> stars for it. Um, my thought with Goto, it's an, it, it, wondering are they going to do anything with him and Kenta afterwards? Because obviously, the lad dojo. But um, <laughs> that that would be the thought. Like, do they do anything with them as a tag team afterwards? Do they do anything if they're doing a heel turn with Kenta? I mean, Christ, it would be different. Mm. The idea of him being within the Chaos faction seems like, oh, yeah, he's in that, isn't he? You kind of forget. He just doesn't feel like he's naturally part of all that. Mm. Hawaii, the lads in the dojo. Yeah, we should all get the t-shirts. We'll wear them to a show, JP. The, uh, the lad dojo t-shirts to show our support for the young boys. Again, that'll never sound good. That As sounds. young boy correspondent, you can uh, again not sense ever sounds good. You can put up the fee <laughs> for that one. Uh, there you go, just a JP job. Um, but yeah, beef. <laughs> we kind of put off the inevitable, but we do need to talk it. The main event of the show 
was Naito and Jay White. And wouldn't you know it, it turned... I'm a little bit... I don't know if I'm jaded on this New Japan, but I, like, I can't say it's predictable because I fucked it in the pickings. So it's not that predictable. But I'm not a big fan of, you know, I understand Okada, Ibushi being, you know, one and one and whoever wins goes through and is in the final and Ibushi went through, which surprised me because I went with Okada. I'm also doing it with Naito and Jay White. Um, I don't love it. I would, I don't know. I, I get it because it makes the main event more important. But I always like those stories where, you know, say if Jay White wins, he's spoiler. But if Naito wins, he wins the whole tournament just to, to mix things up a little bit. So I'd, uh, I might a bit of a amount of criticism about that, but it probably pales in comparison to the to the overall criticism of uh, what I thought was a really weak match. Um Jay White is someone who I have not cheerleader, but I've tried to try to protect and defend as a potentially, you know, somebody I do like, even if he doesn't always deliver in ring. This was his moment. And Naito was in there with him as well. And Naito has had his moments where he shit the bed. And I'd probably still go 3.75 on it, but for a B block final, for you know, the end of the G1, compare it to the B block finals we've had in, in the past. It was just yeah. nowhere near, and they just there was a load of moments where you know where they were trying to do the the near falls and the and the typical Jay White counters at the end where they didn't seem entirely on the on the same page, and then yeah, the finish was what it was. Uh, I really wasn't into this one. I really wanted to be. I really wanted to be charitable to Jay White and let this be one of his you know big breakout matches. But it was just you know three point seven five. You might say is not a particularly harsh grading, but when you compare it to the other things on this night and in the G one in general, I don't know if you can say it's anything other than a disappointment. You know what? I was into it. <laughs> wow! I think that's. I think that's because I wanted Naito to win. <laughs> yes, like desperately. Pass- and I really don't want to see a Bushi Naito ever again, but no. it was like, oh, Jay White in a final. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I thought it was one of the probably best Jay White in-ring performances I've seen because I was into the match consistently and there was a pace and an intensity to the match and the crowd were into it and the crowd were invested in it and I, like, it kept me into it as a result of that. Um, I was annoyed come the match end. <laughs> And I still am not convinced. So you think about it. Tanahashi, Okada, Naito, Kenny Omega, Jay White. It's like, come the fuck on. It's like people are going to look at that list of IWGP champions years on. And it's going to be like JP Sun looking at a list of like Premier League and Division One winners and thinking Blackburn, fucking Blackburn. <laughs> Jay White is Blackburn to me at this moment in time. He's a lot had, of money invested from He's had his Ghetto's. Tony Parks yeah. money from Ghetto, and they're going wild on him. And, yeah, <coughs> I didn't mind the match, but it's still Jay fucking white. <laughs> and I don't think he's at the standard where he can deliver matches at that high, high level. And I don't think he's going to be there for a, a little while, to be honest, if ever. Yeah, there were things I liked about the match. I liked the intensity of the match, like I said. Uh, maybe I like that finishing sequence more so than you did as well, Ben. It wasn't te- didn't technically look amazing, no, but it still worked in terms of keeping me with it and keeping me in the match, even though it was a little bit sloppy. But yeah, good match for me. Annoyed night I didn't get to the final. Final. I don't know about what you thought, JP, but I'm, I'll come back to me in a minute because there's something I want to say about Naito. Mm. I think part of the enjoyment I had was the was kind of watching it with Joe. Not in a sense, it's not like a caricature of just sort of getting angry at Jay White every two seconds. <laughs> but there is the thought of like, 
if Jay White wins, and I thought Jay White was going to win from the moment that Ibushi had won the day before, it was like that seemed that's a that's a fresh match. It's a it's it's something that's not overexposed. It's not particularly exciting. I didn't so I didn't dislike. I enjoyed the match for kind of what it was. I do agree though, Benno, when you're talking about final nights in like especially in a place like Budokan, and I think this was the slowest ticket sales of any of those of any of those um, matches that. Uh, was it of any of the Bukin shows of the three that are there this year? I yeah, think this yeah. one is the lowest ticket sales. And I think there is something noble about that, that there is an effect when White has been headlining, ticket sales have been slightly down. That can't be ignored. I'm pretty sure that ticket sales at Ewood Park of Asian tourists visiting were down compared to Arsenal, Man United, <laughs> Chelsea, Liverpool, Liverpool, even mm. Leicester. They had Shinji Okazaki. They'd have gone along to see him. Like, He's Blackburn. He's absolutely Blackburn for me. <laughs> as much as I didn't mind the match, yeah. Um, there is something on that we're going to do for tomorrow, but I'm not going to say it to you. Now. All right. Yeah. I'm fearing that final. I really am fearing that final. Oh, if this I'll... was this was the moment for me that he really needs to break out, and he didn't, but he really, really needs to deliver tomorrow. I mean, they did the angle afterwards, so kind yeah. of gives you an inclination of the match we're going to get tomorrow. You know, he took out Abushi's leg. And yeah, I don't see Abushi winning the whole thing. I think it's Jay White now. It's got to be Jay White. I just don't. They, they, they will never well, pull the trigger on Kota. I'm surprised he's even in the final. But based on the angle that they shot, I think one, I think I know the result, and two, I know the story they're going to tell. It's going to be Ishii, obviously working over a Kota Ibushi's leg. In some ways, that kind of takes... I don't know if it White takes the pressure off. Fucking... Ishii working over Kota Ibushi's leg would be awesome in a final. True. And Ishii in this final would have been awesome. Sorry. You're not getting that, though. But, but it's going to be Jay White on offence. And I think that's... And it's, is it going to be methodical offence? After yeah. what is really going to be the rest of the card more notable for the things that they're setting up for the rest of the year than the actual kind of matches that you're going to be given. It's going to be much more about the kind of storyline progression on the build-up. And then there's going to be this match... Think of that. Think of the G1 matches we've had over the last three years, the G1 finals, the Bushi Tanahashi. Mm. Year before that, it was Naito versus Omega, wasn't it? Um, two of the and then the year before that, seen. you have Omega versus Goto, which obviously the one-two with well, the Naito match. The crown of Omega and hit make it of a made man. You have Nakamura this, versus Okada in 2015. Incredible matches. Well. In all seriousness, like I think the Jay White issue kind of comes to a head tomorrow. If he can't have, like, a really outstanding match in a G1 final with the roster that they have, he doesn't deserve that role. Mm. And it's as simple as that. And it won't be something that appeals to me because for all of the character stuff and the sneakiness, and he was making out, he's going to do it by himself tomorrow, which I will believe when I see it, but he has to deliver tomorrow. There can't be any, there can't be any excuses for this. Like this is it. You're okay. You're going with him. He has to fucking turn up. The thing I was amazed by was how clean he went over as well. Because mm. if he wins, I think if someone beats him for that case, or if if someone's ever to beat uh, the person who wins G1 for the case, it's Jay White you beat. Because I think he's at a point in his career where it won't actually matter that much to him and it won't affect him too much. It's not going to be like Baron Corbin losing a Money in the Bank match or whatever. Mm. And I thought to myself, Naito's the guy you beat him with. So I've, I thought that he would win in sort of controversial circumstances and Naito would get his rematch. Because really, where do you go with Naito at this point as well? Like, What is Naito's purpose if he's not going to another wrestling? Do you know he what, becomes Nakamura. Do you know yeah, what Naito Nakamura. is? Yeah. Now, do you know what he is for me? Steven Gerrard. 
Yes. Think think of the pace Naito works at. He's got that recklessness a lot of the time to how he works. <laughs> He's got that intensity and that pace. He's almost not accepting that he can't go anymore in the same way that Gerard. It took him a while to accept that he wasn't that player and he had to sit back in that holding midfield player. I always, comp- I always used to call Stephen Gerrard a pound shop Pirlo. Uh, you could refer to Naito as a pound shop Akada in this instance, as much as I think Naito's a great wrestler. <laughs> you think about Naito as well. He's had several wrestle- two Wrestle Kingdom main events mm. where he's lost. So it's like him coming close to a couple of Premier League mm. titles. He's not his, outstanding main events like weak. No, but he's had yeah. his he had his quick win in 2016 when he won the IWGP title. That's like his Champions League in yeah. 2005. Mm. He's got his couple of G1s. Those are his domestic cups that he won <laughs> as well. His UEFA Cup back in the day. But he's never going to get that proper win at a Wrestle Kingdom. He's no. never going to get this that was Premier League. He slipped and Demba Bar's got in. And that's <laughs> Jay White Demba Bar now. Oh my God. I was going to say, he's never slipped on his arse, therefore he's not Steven Gerrard, but there we are. He has, in fact, slipped on his arse. Maybe, may, maybe he, gets the other, he gets the other Tokyo Dome main event, maybe, but nah, he's, I think, I think he's settled. I thought, he'd be, I thought he'd be the 1B to Okada's 1A, but he's number two, mm. if not number three. He's just, yeah. Well, the only thing I would say from this point, and this is where we get into the gun of hypotheticals, I know one of the big stories that you were saying throughout the tournament um, was the idea of a card winning. They hadn't done that story with the G with the, the IWGP champion winning the G1, but also at the same time, they haven't done the story about the threat to whoever wins this. I could see the idea of White winning a G1, but not getting to the Tokyo domain. Yeah, event. he's the person you take it off of if he wins. Yeah. So you, you, to make that stipulation I think you incredible. end up doing a Bushi versus Jay White again, and then maybe going to Bushi Okada, Jay White Naito, or something along those lines. Jay White Osprey, just Osprey going to Wrestle Kingdom. There's the perfect idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No? Careful. <laughs> um, um, no. Nah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> That's yeah. my dream, uh... you know. But you know, saying that we haven't got a long way to find out. Uh, obviously, hopefully, people listen to this before the uh, the final. But yeah, it's tomorrow, and yeah, it could be Jay White's time, Joe. It, it could be that. That's oh, fuck that. Is that the way we're living? Work toilets in? for you tomorrow, Benno. I'm off tomorrow. Booked off for SummerSlam. I'll be staying up late and then getting up for the G1, or sleeping in and then getting up for the G1. I'm not sure which of the it's two. A very early start for the G1 oh, tomorrow, like, isn't it? It's like seven a.m. Seven a.m. Main event hits the yeah, ring. JP's what? watching it without nine. me. Oh, unbelievable. I'll, I'll, I'll be up. That's the thing. Uh, you're watching it without me, though, mate. I'm gutted. I, I could do what I did last year, which is try to wait for you, then inexplicably, as you do, go into social media, just, see the image of Tanahashi on Shibata's shoulders and go, I can't unforget that. Just keep that off, happens, just didn't keep it? He's it. it? It's not hard. Huh? It's not hard to keep off it for a bit. Well, it depends. It depends if, if, the, if the eldest son wants to watch SummerSlam in the morning. Wow, mm. you you enjoy, mate. Do I want to watch SummerSlam before the G One final? Six hours no. of WWE JP um, versus what will? I don't know what's on it. <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you either. Um, but... I couldn't give two shits. <laughs> well, I suppose we'll, bre- we'll breeze through SummerSlam tomorrow and just have some WWE bashing, won't we? Exactly. One of yeah. Our, one, one of our, and I need to. I need to get some shit right. off my chest on that takeover as well. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We'll talk about that. Like yeah. Tomorrow, I think we're gonna we'll wrap up on on SummerSlam takeover. It's not really been WrestleMania worthy weekend, has it, JP? I mean, there was GCW and ROH nah. on Friday, which I watched both of, which we can talk about tomorrow as well. But I only um, looked at the start of the ring of honor to see how many people were in the building not many that was my that was my curiosity we 
says a lot about where it is. Oh, but at least they a give lot us... of darkened lights. I'll put it that way. Um, I'll be uh, there. Were, there were good things on the show, but plenty to bury. So yeah, we can talk that tomorrow. And like I say, we can talk the G1 you did final. You've written reports on it. Yeah, that's it. If you want, to, if you want a little preview of my reports on uh, on postwrestling.com, there's a, a written report by me on ROH and GCW. But you've only got a few hours to wait. We'll uh, we'll talk in an audio form tomorrow. I'll try yeah. and uh, convince you two guys to watch that GCW show because it it was a lot of fun. I'll have a go tonight when I get home. See if I can get some in. Good lad. So, I'm so. I'm up for watching a little bit of that stuff tonight as well. I'm not watching Ring of Honor. Fuck that. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, you're gonna need to, you're gonna need to go through. Yeah, and you're trying to think of the. There's a couple of things I'm intrigued to see. One. Uh, I want to see what they do with this Rouge angle. I'm talking about stuff that lasts two minutes. I'm not watching Matt Taven and Alex. You're Shelley. braver men than me. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I'll be spending minimal time on it. Yeah, that's it. I think we will tomorrow. That'll be the quick one. But yeah, plenty to catch yeah. up on tomorrow. So yeah, not long to wait for more audio from us uh, before we go. Uh, anything else from you guys? No, you can find me on Twitter at JPJPE. Three E's. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I do have something to plug, actually. Oh, cool. Um, just got a new internet package, and I've got a free Xbox One coming with it. I don't play video games. If anyone wants to buy it off me, um, give JP <laughs> a Xbox shout. Xbox One S. Xbox One S. Give JP a shout, and uh, yeah, we'll sort something out. So if anyone's in the market for an Xbox One S, talk to JP. He's been trying to plug it to my kids. They've already they've got an Xbox at their mum's. <laughs> they've got a PS4 here. They're fine. They're doing all right. It's not like they're living under the stairs the rest of the time, either. <laughs> So, yeah, and he's trying to go. Are you on an Xbox One? It's his son's birthday soon. Treat him. Oh, I've got an Xbox One at his mum's, where he is half of the week. And he's half the week. He's not getting to play his Xbox. Can't no, because he has a PS4. Uh, he's doing all right. I feel for the kids. Human rights violation in this day and age. That <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Social services, mate. You're gonna report me until I end up joining Fathers for Justice. I can dress up as fucking Batman on the London Eye or something. I don't even about that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know anything about them. those weird guys. Dress up as Superman clearly... and Batman and stuff, yeah. yeah. And then they've got dubious people. records going back to them. Anyway. <laughs> well, how do you go from the G1 to Fathers for Justice? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do want to uh, buy off Joe, uh, you want to buy the uh, the Rev Joe original uh, <laughs> console, get in touch with me or JP. Uh, like I say, follow JP yeah. on Twitter at JPGP. Follow me at Benson Richard E. Follow the Grapple app at Grapple app. And happy birthday to Grapple Gareth, whose uh, birthday it is today. Yes. We'll, we'll talk a lot more about the uh, the Pickums tomorrow, but he is uh, he's sitting pretty near the top of those voices of wrestling Pickums, isn't he, uh, JP? He's got he a, is. He's got a good shot, so that'll be a good birthday present for him if he can he uh, pull it off. And and also the very much the um, housewife's favourite for the G1 Pickums, Sam Lemon's doing well again this year. <laughs> That's what's favourite. Amazing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll update that uh, on all of that stuff tomorrow. Uh, it'll be out late Monday night, uh, possibly Tuesday morning for a lot of you. But yeah, stay tuned and you can check that out tomorrow. Bye. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.